Okay, we'll take 21. Suppose someone said, well, of course, you're talking about Pesach, right? Pesach is the anniversary of the Exodus of Egypt. So, of course, it's a memorial to the Exodus of Egypt. But it's mode, right? That means it's got to be wrong. Why would that answer be wrong? Because you have this text in every holiday. Every holiday has exactly the same text, only the inserted phrase. In Chagamatzos, so in other, other holidays, you have a different name of the holiday. Different name of the holiday. But this phrase, Zech Mitzrayim, Egypt, is a common to all the holidays. So it can't be referring to the fact that Pesach is the anniversary of the Exodus. Is my point clear? So how shall we explain In what way are all of the holidays equally, equally a memorial to the Exodus of Egypt? The simplest thing to say here is what Ramayana says in the guide, and he applies this to Shabbos as well. The fact that a Jew can decide to stop working means that he's not a slave. If he's a slave, he can't decide that he's going to stop working. So now, if a person, if a Jew stops to think, okay, I'm taking off next Wednesday, taking off next Wednesday, the whole world's going to work. Not me, I'm not going to work. Why? Because I can decide when I work and when I don't work. It's up to me. Not because I'm not a slave. In Mela, says Maimonides, 
if you have, if you, if you think of it historically, how did I get to be in a position where I can decide not to work? It's only because God took me out of Egypt. That applies to Shavuot, and it applies to Sukkot, and it applies to Rishon, and Yikipur, it applies across the board. Okay? Now, huh? now, you have chosen and sanctified us above all peoples, and your holy festivals and gladness and joy have you granted us as a heritage. Chosen us. We go up about ten lines. Does it say who has chosen us? All nations. Here is the sanctifying above all peoples. Above it says he sanctified us with his commandments. Since the others didn't get the commandments, sure that's at least implied. Um, and your holy festivals. from the bottom they translate appointed times for gladness you see that in the Hebrew the word is mo'ed mo'adim now uh, in the bottom of the page it says your holy festivals in the Hebrew that's mo'adei kachecha the same word mo'ed so at the bottom of the page it's festival and at the top uh, it's signed up it's, it's appointed times. You would never guess that the Hebrew word is exactly the same, would you? Correct. There's no reason to guess it. But it is <coughs> it is in fact the same word. So above it says, You are Shamar God have lovingly given us Moadim And now it says you've chosen us and sanctified us among all peoples and you've given us an inheritance your holy appointed times in simcha in, in, in joy and in sasam which says unexpected joy it looks quite redundant it is quite redundant now, I'll just tell you what I think the answer is here, at least on the level of Shabbat. The Kiddush here is patterned on the Kiddush with Shabbos. In the Kiddush with Shabbos, you do have the repetition, but in the Kiddush with Shabbos, it's not redundant. Because in the Kiddush with Shabbos, the first time you go through is in the third person. God is referred to as He. And the second time you go through those ideas God is referred to in the second person as you. Referring to God as He is one message, 
referring to God as you is a different message. And this is in Shabbos Kiddush that uh, although it's the same subject, the mode of reference mode of reference changes the message. And here, although it's the same mode of reference all the way through, the same mode of reference is always you. The thing is this is based on you all the way through. Almost all the way through. It copies the pattern of Shabbos so that you should have a common pattern to Kiddush. And this is something you need to understand about prayers in general. When you have a prayer that is used over and over and over again, and then you have it used a minority of times, often it will keep the pattern of the majority, even though, strictly speaking, if you were only going to address the minority by itself, you wouldn't have chosen that time. Maybe the most famous example is Havdola after Yomphet. Havdola after Yomphet has exactly the same text as Havdola after Shabbat. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean just the paragraph of Havdola. I, mean, oh, I don't mean the extra things that are there. The, the last oh. blessing, the long blessing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Between the six days of work and the seventh day, right. uh, you know, it's, it's Tuesday night doesn't matter. You have Havdalah 52 times a year, and you have Havdalah the Yomtev a few times a year, they kept the same text. If you were writing Havdalah after Yomtev, you didn't have the pattern for Shabbat, you would never have written it that way. You have chosen another text, the text is relevant for Shabbat, but for Yomtev. So you have to know that sometimes when you're looking at a text which is like an exception, that is, it's a minority of times that this text is used, and others, you know, other times other texts are used, that you may not be able to discern in the minority case all of the details that are necessary for the minority use. It may be just a pattern that's necessary because of the majority. Okay? And I think that's what's going on here. Okay. So let's come to the closing on 23. <coughs> Here's a very important idea. We say, Hashem, who sanctifies the Jewish people and the Pharisees, thousands. What do you say on Shabbos, a plain Shabbos? Kadesh Shabbos. Kadesh Shabbos. No Yisrael. Just Shabbos. What do you say when Shabbos and holidays come out together simultaneously? So you have it right here on the page. Put the parenthesis in. Kadesh Shabbos, Israel, Hazman. It means that Israel in this text is relevant only to the holidays. It's not relevant to, to, to Shabbos. And even when Shabbos and holidays come out together, Israel is only relevant to the holidays. Not relevant to the Shabbos. What's the difference? Shabbos applies to everything and everybody. Uh, not not I mean, to the Jews, but I mean, Shabbos applies, you know, uh, but with Yom Tif, it's uh, it, it, it's it's a yomtif because of the nation. Pesach wouldn't be Pesach if it wasn't for the nation of uh, of Israel. Shabbos would still be Shabbos, oh, you know, good. even if no Jews were participating oh, in it. That's good. That's that's closer to what I think uh, is part of the truth. Is when was Shabbos established? How was it established? Once once you knew when Hashanah was, then you were able to Shabbos. Um, oh, Shabbos. Shabbos is the establishment of the creation. God did it without any help from anybody. 
and it rolls on week after week without any help from anybody. The holidays are determined by the court declaring the beginning of the new month. That is under the court's control to the extent that if the court so decides, they can ignore the moon, they can ignore the witnesses and make the uh, month start on a day different from the moon. If you decide there should be a different day, there are limits to how far they can go, but if they decide to be a day different from the witnesses and different from the moon, they have the power to do that. So, when you come to Pesach, Pesach is Wednesday, this is Wednesday night, right? Thursday, Pesach is Thursday. You ask, why is this Thursday, Pesach? The answer is because the court declared two weeks before that the Thursday should be the first day of Nisan. So the holiness of the holidays comes into the world through the Jewish people. We make it so. Therefore, the text on Yom Tov says, God sanctified us and through that sanctified the holidays. Because it's our activity that gives the, the holidays its, uh, their sanctity. So God had to give us the power to sanctify us. So he sanctified us and we sanctified the holidays. Shabbos, that's simply not true. And even when Shabbos and Yom Tov come out together, the two ideas are preserved separately. The Kaddish of Shabbos, God does that. The Yisrael Vazmani and the Jewish people and the holidays, because the holidays sanctified through us. With me so far? Now, if you wanted to push a little bit, I don't say if you're forced to push, but I think in this case the idea is right. Now, to push a little bit, what more could you say? Kaddish HaShabbos Yisrael Vazmani. Yes, A, B, C. Go ahead. There's an order of importance more. I mean, or in order of how things came about. Go ahead, push, push. So, um, Shabbos was part of everything. And then, then all became Israel. So, the, the Israel was prior to actual, actually Pesach, anyway. To the Chagim. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're pushing, there's more, there's more to go. What is the relationship between Makadish Yisrael of Aslani? What did I say? That we see that the the the, the Manim are sanctified through Israel. So what is, what does it mean? He is Makadish Yisrael of Aslani. So uh, through Shabbat that makes us holy. Okay, you got it. We say, we have A B C and we say he sanctifies B so that B can sanctify C. So A, B, C is going to be the same thing. He sanctifies Shabbos, and this Shabbos makes us holy. Shabbos is his leverage, whereby he makes us holy. And we make and the then we can make it So it's kind of like the whole entire thing with Dayenu, that even if there were no Zmanim, there would still be Yisrael, and even okay. without Yisrael, Hashem, there would still be Shabbos. Shabbos was Shabbos before Yisrael. Shabbos is only one of the mitzvahs. I mean, there's 612 on a mitzvah, so without Shabbos, we wouldn't be holy? Without Shabbos, we wouldn't have the same degree of holiness. The same degree of holiness. Put it that way. Or the holiness that's specific to making the holidays holy comes from Shabbos. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm skipping over a whole business. In Achim Mos, you have the whole parsha of the holidays. 
says, Elam Oadei Hashem, and has a paragraph of Shabbos. And then it says, Elam Oadei Hashem again, and goes through all of the holidays. So Shabbos is a Moed, and isn't a Moed. Anyway, just doesn't do very well. Was there always supposed to be a Pesach? Was it the event that happened in Israel that forced it to come about? This is a deep, deep question. I'll, I'll tell you about a little bit anyway. The angels left uh, Abraham and came to Lot in stone. And it says they took him in at risk to his life because the people wanted to kill him for that. And he made them a mishter. A mishter means a drinking celebration. And he made them a mishter. And he baked them matzos. But that's a little peculiar. You're treating them with great honor. You're risking your life for them. You're bringing them into a mishter, to a drinking party, and you serve crackers. Why would you serve crackers? Right? Abraham said to Sarah, make ugos, cakes. Lot gives him crackers. Say chazal. Because it was paper. It was paper. So the, they were keeping the laws of Pesach 400 years before the Exodus. So this now raises the crucial question of the race. Is it that we celebrate Pesach because of a historical event that took place and now we commemorate that event every year thereafter which means that the event created in the time its special character and we then take advantage of that character of the time or is it that from the creation God designated that time for that event it just waited for the historical process to come to its fruition so the event could take place. Which means that even in the times of Abraham, they could take advantage of the special potentiality of that day because the potentiality of that day was prepared for beforehand. And the latter is the truth. The fact that we left the e- Egypt on the 15th of Nisan was an accident and then said, oh, well, look at that. 15th of Nisan we left. So from now on we'll celebrate it. No. Nisan was designated as the Exodus day from the creation and therefore its special spiritual potential was infused in it even from the creation and that being the case it was followed out it, it, could, be, it could be even further before so it's not true that we're just memorializing the events that took place we are responding to the special character that the time has even from before that what's the connection between the Mitzrayim, what happened there, uh, taking us out of the shrine to the whole eating the matzahs and all these other things, like before when the Mitzrayim created the world, you're saying he made it this day, this is going to be a holy day, this is what the Jews are going to be out of Mitzrayim, and why not? What's the connection between the things of the holiday? And the things that we do. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there and then we'll get there. There's a lot to say about that. So, how does that play into the whole notion that we have like free will of everything? It's like, he knows he's designating that day. Okay, very briefly, I say we designated that day to be Mitzrayim if there's going to be a Mitzrayim. Had Adam succeeded in the Garden of Eden, there wouldn't have been what we call Mitzrayim. None of that would have occurred. 
given that there's going to be a Mitzrayim, then the sequence is going to unfold that way. Now, the date that we left has nothing to do with anyone's people. God started the, the, the place when he chose, and spaced them, <coughs> and brought them to a fruition when he chose. So, there's actually no human free will involved in the date in which we left. Okay? There's an interactive free will. By saying, God makes the sun come up every morning. That doesn't have anything to do with my free will. We have to, right? We do. What do you mean? I don't know. Now you, I think you asked a different question. The answer to that question is the Torah says explicitly that the Egyptians pushed them out. The Egyptians pushed them out. They didn't let them stay. We wanted to stay. We weren't in such a hurry to leave. And the Egyptians pushed us out. Okay. And Shekhiano, which you say. I'm not going to count them, Shef Yannou. Orchatz, Wash, Karpas, these are items which are very strange. You're washing your hands without a blessing, you're not eating anything. Any child who's aware of the normal Shabbos and holiday procedure will see this as very strange. Some say you're washing your hands in order to eat the vegetable, because there are certain positions that you have to wash your hands to eat a vegetable that's become wet, and you're going to dip it in the water. Okay. Some say yes, some say no. Yachad, you break the middle master in two. have an Aramaic paragraph which many commentators say is not strictly speaking part of the Haggadah. First of all, the Haggadah is all in Hebrew. It's not Aramaic at all. Second of all, at least part of this paragraph could not possibly have been said at night when you are doing the Seder. This is for the aficionados among you. When I finish it, you tell me which part could not possibly have been said at night. This is the bread of affliction, Anya, we'll have to comment on that, that our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Wherever is hungry, let him come and eat. Wherever is needy, let him come and celebrate Passover. I wonder what that means. Now we are here. Next year may we be in the land of Israel. Now we are slaves. Next year may we be free men. Now, don't think of this as one. This might be a combination of different statements, different times, different places. What does it mean? Whoever is needy, let him come and celebrate Passover. In the Hebrew, it's the Yifsach. Yifsach is a verb made out of the word Pesach. Yifsach probably means that he should share our Paschal sacrifice. Share our Paschal sacrifice. So this has to be said in Yerushalayim, where they have the Paschal sacrifice. Now, how is it done? Do you know the procedure of the Paschal sacrifice? It's uh, shafted and then it's um, what is it? It's it's roasted. For whom? 
for is it offered? Who are the ones who are related to this particular Paschal sacrifice? The Jews. Well, this particular animal. Sorry? Well, the family, but usually the family would be much too small. You're talking about a whole animal, right? Say again? Right. There's a group. There's a designated group. When does the group get designated? Before you slaughter it. The group is formed, and then the slaughtering takes place, and that establishes the connection between the sacrifice and the group. You cannot imagine slaughtering the sacrifice, taking it home, roasting it, come nighttime, time to eat it, and going out into the car- marketplace and saying, anybody hungry? Come on and join us. He can't join you. He has to have been designated as part of the group from before the, 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 the shechita, before the slaughtering of the animal. So this phrase, whoever is needy, let him come and share our paschal sacrifice could not possibly have been said at night. So it looks like this is a combination of various statements which were made in different places and perhaps at different times made as declarations in the vernacular which was Aramaic at the time. People were not speaking Hebrew. People were used for text. The mission was composed in Hebrew. But not for speaking. Okay. This is the bread of affliction. This matzah. The bread of affliction. Now, I must tell you, the word affliction here is not quite right as a translation. Anya in, in Aramaic, only in Hebrew, doesn't really mean affliction. A better translation is poor bread. And indeed, only in, in Hebrew is a root for poor it's the bread of people who are poor and don't have resources. The chief claim to fame of matzah is that it's fast. We make matzah, the rule is that from the moment the water hits the flour until it comes out of the oven, it must be not more than 18 minutes. Okay. We have a real efficient system working. But even so, you put the water in the, in the, in the flour, you knead it, you make a pancake break but well, like structure. What they used to do, what is still done today in Bukhar, they take the thing and slap it against the wall of the oven, and it bakes. By the way, there's no reason it has to be cracker-like. There's no reason it has to be brittle. It can be soft and, and both. The Spartan actually makes it that So wouldn't that come to make it hummus possibly? No, not if it is fully baked within 18 minutes of the time that the water hits the thing, then it's not, it's not hummus, only if it's fully baked, and they are fully baked. I've eaten them, they're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen them made. There was a time, I don't know if you still do it there, up in Bukhain, it's called Eshtanura, and uh, you, you, go, you go there, and you, and you watch him, and you see him make it, and then you take it home warm, and you eat it, and <laughs> something's really very special. Anyway, um, so it's really the bread of poverty in the sense that it needs the least investment of time and effort. A real bread, you have to let the dough rise. And if you want to make a good bread, you let it rise, you punch it down, let it rise again, you punch it down again. It takes three or four hours to make a good bread. Right? 
come home at the end of the day of, of slave labor, you don't have this time and the energy to do that. That's why they ate matzah. Now, matzah is a very complicated business. I'll just give you a kind of preview, sneak preview. Um, if you take a look on page 45, five lines down from the top matzo why do we eat this unleavened bread because the dough of our fathers did not have time to become leavened before the king of kings the holy one blessed be he revealed himself to them and redeemed them as it is written here's what I told you before they baked the dough which they had brought out from Egypt into unleavened bread for it had not fermented because they were driven out of Egypt and could not delay that means gosh you know what are you in such a hurry for? I have things to do. Wait a minute, you know. No, get out! No, I didn't prepare any provisions for the way. This statement says we eat matzah on our Seder in commemoration of their eating matzah when? Read it carefully. On the road. On the road after they left. On the road after they left. Now, back here on 25, it says, this is the bread of, of, of Anya, whatever the as I translated for you, that our fathers ate in the land of Egypt, not on the road after we left. So, we have to understand what exactly is a matzah. We'll see why and what it means, but I'm just telling you it's both. And uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to take that into account. Whoever's hungry, let him come and eat. That's just charity. It's anybody who wants. Whoever is needy, you see, needy here is not hungry. We just said hungry. Needy means he, he needs to carve the up. He needs to pass the sacrifice. He's got to be Okay. Now we are here next year, maybe in the land of Israel. That, of course, is said in Babylon. Maybe in Alexandria. Now we are slaves, next year we be free men. Each of these is independent of the other. These are two different prayers, different wishes. We're here, wherever we are. Next year we will be in the land of Israel. Even if where we are here, we're free. Even if we're free over here. We don't want to be here, we want to be there. Now we are slaves wherever we are. Even if we're in the land of Israel, we could still be slaves. Next year we'll be free men. These are two independent requests, and both are necessary. Not two requests by the same people necessarily. There was a time when Jews in the land of Israel were also slaves. Okay? Now I'm going to say something which almost no one knows. And if you use this on Seder night, you'll make yourself famous and popular. This is the four questions. You probably all know the text. Please read for me through the text and tell me how do you count four questions. Just count. One, two, three, four. 
He counts one. Okay? Anybody else get a different number? Five. I can hear one. I can hear five. I just don't see four. Let's see. His five is pretty obvious, right? Why did I give him all the night? One question. Now, you could sort of insert a why into the other one. Why is it that in all the nights we eat Chavzamazu, it's not only Matzah? Why is it in all the nights we eat Then it's five questions. Or maybe it's one question with four answers. Why is it not different all the nights? I'll tell you why. Look! On all the nights, etc., etc. How do you get four questions out? Simple question, right? Simple question. I'm telling you now the Chavzamazu of Robert now. Secondly, Who's asking this question? These questions. Youngest. Youngest. Why is he asking this? Because, let's say he's six. No, no, it's a Jewish child. Four. I think you remember this from the other one. He's four. And it's brand new stuff, right? Says the Barber now, that can't be right. It can't be that we're talking about a young child was asking about the surprising goings-on of the evening. Why not? There are at least two different kinds of reasons why this can't be the young child asking about the surprising things that are going on, going on in the evening. Because he hasn't seen anything yet. First of all, he makes reference to things he hasn't seen. How does he know you're not going to have a birthday cake at the end? <laughs> no. <laughs> How does he know you're going to dip twice? How does he know that everyone's going to recline and they eat? Nobody's eaten anything yet. Well, they're kiddish, but who knows? That's one reason. And the other reason is, and I told you this 16 and a half minutes ago, I mentioned it because I was foreshadowing this. Another reason why it isn't a young child asking about the, the strange things going on is because, put it together, turn back one page, No, say it. Yeah. Ruchat and Karpas are weird. He's not asking about those. Those he did see. He knows very well you don't do that in any other holiday or any other shaman. She's not asking about the weird things he did see, and he is asking about the weird things he hasn't seen. This is not the five year old or the four year old who's, you know, in wonderment over what's going on at the same that's the third question he asks about it. No, there is this method. Dipping. You said you're, 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 you're made kiddish and now you're eating a piece of vegetable before you wash and bench and wash and make a mochi and everything. Right? Yeah. That's what Okay. Right? Says the now something entirely different is going on. Oh, now, let's ask. How, is, how do we translate? Ma'at mishtanah alayaz nikolalilos. How does the translation get why? It's really what is it Okay, you're now working with the word ma as what? And you're sort of making up the rest of it to go along with the what. <laughs> but yeah, you're putting in things that aren't really there. Um, Jacob, when he wakes up from his sleep, when he has the dream of the ladder, says, Ma nora hamokom hazeh. Ma awesome is this place. How do you translate? How awesome? Let's see. Awesome, this is from 0 to 100. How many awesomeness points does this place get? 
probably not the right translation. <coughs> no, what? What is Ulus Madaus? No, it's not a question at all. It's an exclamation. It's how awesome this place is. He goes on to say, He says, It's the house of God and the gate of heaven. He's not in any doubts. He's exclaiming how awesome the place is. You can see Yaakov standing there. This place is awesome. Correct. Correct. That's what's going on. Ma, predicated in front of the verb, gives you a um, a um, an exclamation. The correct translation is how different this night is from at the night! Exclamation point. I know they put Y also. It's just not just. Everybody puts Y. I know. I know. I'm just saying what the Barbara says. And I, see, to me, why do I tell you Barbara? I told you the outside. I have two interests. Anyway, three inches. Literal, birth, literal language, philosophy, and a little bit of mystical ideas. But the literal language doesn't justify a why. Says the Abarbanel, what you have here is... Now, oh, by the way, this is called in, 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 uh, in Hebrew and Yiddish four kashas. What is a kasha? Like a big question, difficult question. Difficult. A kasha is a difficult, not just a question. In Hebrew, a question is a sheila. Sheila is a question of information. Kasha is a difficulty where you have some kind of contradiction that you face. Rabbanel <coughs> says that this is a fourfold kasha. It's a kasha with four parts. And uh, what the Balagoda is saying is this. We have different kinds of appointed times in the year that commemorate past events. We have appointed times that commemorate great victories, salvations, like Shavuos, Sukkot, Hanukkah, Purim. We have appointed times that commemorate great tragedies, Tisha B'Av, the other fast. And each one has a theme, a theme of activities that are relevant to that commemoration. Okay, now look what we're going to do tonight. One thing we're going to do is, we're going to eat matzah. Only matzah. What is matzah? Well, we just said above. The bread of poverty. And we're going to eat bitter herbs. So, I think, we must be commemorating the bitterness of the slavery in Egypt. That's what this this performance is about. Like Tishabov, like Shivasabatavas, like Asarabatavis, like all the fast days. Ah, but on the other hand, we don't just eat vegetables, not us. We have a sauce into which we dip our vegetables. That's not poverty. That's not affliction. That's not slavery. And we don't just eat, we have couches. And we recline as at a banquet. <coughs> that sounds like we are celebrating the freedom that we achieved when we left Egypt. So what is it? What's going on? What kind of commemoration is it? Are we commemorating the 
terrible suffering and degradation of the slavery in Egypt? Or are we commemorating the freedom and exalted stature that we achieved when we, leave Egypt, when we left Egypt? Okay. Now, if that's the question, let's see what the answer is. The next sentence on page 27, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt and Hashem, our God, took us out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. That's the answer to the question. Can you say to me how that answers the question? Celebrating the transition from one Excellent. Excellent. That's exactly the right word. Exactly the right word. What we are commemorating is the transition from the one to the other. We have one foot in one and one foot in the other and we are commemorating the transition. And that's why we have performances of slavery and performances of freedom, performances of suffering, performances of being like sorry, like, like uh, princes and because we're celebrating the transition. That's the Barbara Nelson Shah. To me, it's a beautiful shot, and it's the closest, the closest to the words that uh, I've ever seen. Yeah. Before you said uh, that it could be a kid because, on one hand, he hadn't seen all these things from years past, and then there was a second point. Not from years past. Or from he hasn't seen it yet. That's right. Tonight he hasn't seen it yet. And then the second thing that, that I sort of said, but then you said it was correct, but I didn't remember really what it is that I yeah, yeah. Two things. I just mentioned something about yeah, yeah. Right. So there are two things that he did see. He saw Karpas and he saw uh, Orchas. Orchas yeah. and Karpas, right? Both of those are out of ordinary. You don't do that on any other Sabbath or holiday. Right. So this is a young child who doesn't remember last year and is noticing strange things. Then the minute you wash your hands and you eat the Karpas, you ought to be asking about that. The fact that he doesn't ask about it shows that it's not. That that's not. That's not what these four, the four questions is about. Okay. Well, how do you translate again the, the Manish is how how different this night is from all other nights? Exclamation how point. Just how how different? How different, right? As, as exclamation. So what is the youngest child asked question? Well, the truth is that in our circles. Everyone asks the questions. We go through and everybody asks. And indeed that's what the Mishnah says. The Mishnah says that if the person is alone, his wife asks him, and if he's alone with another wife, then he asks him himself. It's part of it. I go to that to be said. But, so to be done in a kind of question and answer fashion, so you will have the younger asking the older. Even though the older asking the younger. Right? But, but it's, it's not more than that. And if the child is, the youngest child is 16, we'll start with him also even though he remembers very well what happened last year. Okay? Okay, now this paragraph, page 27. I'm going to read the first two sentences to you. Read them literally. Don't use too much imagination. Read them like, like a lawyer. We were slaves to Egypt and Pharaoh in Egypt. <coughs> And Hashem, our God, took us out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. <coughs> Had not the Holy One, blessed be He, taken our fathers out from Egypt, then we, our children, our children's children, would have been, not remained, it's not remained in the Hebrew, enslaved to Pharaoh in Egypt. 
Do you see that these two sentences contradict one another? Yeah. Why? Because at first it says, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and then after it says, if Hashem wouldn't have taken us, then we would have been slaves that we weren't slaves before. Very good. Very good. The first sentence says, we were slaves. The second sentence says, we were not slaves. Second sentence says, had Hashem not taken us out, we would have been. Whenever you say would have been, you mean it really wasn't so. This would have been if the conditions had been different. But in the real world, it didn't happen that way. So you have here a contradiction between these two sentences. Were we slaves or weren't we slaves? Good. How can you get out of the contradiction? There is a way to get out. Um, the one thing I can think of, I don't know if this works, is that what's it called? Hashem had a designated time that we were going to be slaves in Egypt, so really it was through Hashem and not we weren't slaves to Paro. While if we would have, and but we were, we were supposed to be taken out, and if we would if we would have stayed, then it wouldn't have been his plan anymore. It would have been to Paro. Okay, but I gotta make both sentences true. The first sentence is we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. Oh, wow. Can you play with the we maybe? Maybe the we in the two sentences doesn't refer to the same thing. Me as in Pharaoh, our children and our children's children. Say again? The second time when it says we, it doesn't yeah. mean us in the present, it means it's like Pharaoh, when we say we, we're referring to our children and our children's children. They would have remained in the present. Well, okay, but then we're going to face another problem, aren't we? Is, is it true? If the we refers to us, is it true that we were enslaved? We, you and I? Uh, you're British, eh? Yeah. Okay. So let me inform you of a piece of history. Uh-huh. 250 years ago, we won that war against you. We trounced you. Right? The War of Independence, 1770, 8, 7, 8, 9, right? Now when I say that, when I say we, who am I talking about? The United States. The nation. The people. So I'm talking about myself. I, you know, personally wasn't there. It's the people that was there. Maybe the we in the first sentence refers to the Jewish people as a whole. We, the Jewish people, were slaves to Pharaoh Egypt. And it just took us out of it. The second sentence, the we, refers to us individuals sitting at the Seder table in 2006. And there we're saying, we as individuals weren't there. Of course we weren't there. But had Hashem not taken our ancestors out? Now, ancestors are a particular group of people, not the, not the nation as a nation. Had He not taken out those particular Jews 3,300 years ago, then we, today, 2006, would have been slaves. If the we in the first sentence is the nation, and the we in the second sentence is the particular people sitting at the table, you can make it consistent. Okay? That you can make consistent. But, you're going to be in trouble on page 45. On page 45, the last paragraph on the page, it says, 
in every generation it is one's duty to regard himself as though he personally that's going out from Egypt as it is written you shall tell your son of that day it is because of this that Hashem did for me when I went out of Egypt and if that isn't explicit enough for you you try to shift around and get out of it it goes on it was not only our fathers whom the only one redeemed from slavery we too were redeemed with them with our fathers as it is written he brought us out from there so you might take us to the language you found so far us so here we're really stuck now we're really stuck because here the we is us people sitting at the, at the Seder and it's saying that we went out even though over here in 27 it says we didn't go out I'll pick it up tomorrow